It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. I've got your plays of the day from day one of Vikings training camp. Hey, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. I don't. Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman, wondering which player is going to pull out the first German suplex today at practice in memory of Brock Lesnar. Who's it going to be? We also get an early visit from Ron Johnson on today's Minnesota football party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in Thursday edition of the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom. That's Arif Hassan. That's Luke Inman. Luke Braun is off today. He's the Locked On Vikings host. But Ron Johnson is in his box right now. Ron Johnson joins us early in the show. We're going to get his training camp takes from yesterday as he comes to us live, I believe from a softball tournament of some kind as he is prone to do. Today's show brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Go to fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. You can find all of our shows on YouTube for free. Uh, locked on Sports Minnesota, the channel to subscribe to. Free and available wherever you get podcasts. That includes SiriusXM, Amazon Fire, and Roku. Ron Johnson joining us to kick off the show. And Ron, I'm just going to say it. Kirk Cousins was sharp yesterday that was a, that was a nice little debut for the quarterback what did you think yeah I mean I, I'd say Kirk Cousins looked really good uh him and JJ you could tell it's he looked comfortable uh Jordan Addison as well uh I got a chance to talk to Keenan McCardell actually after practice for a good 20 minutes just because we know each other we've, we've talked a couple times we text more than people know um but I talked to him about Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson where their roles are going to be I can't tell all the secrets yet but I will say this it's going to be exciting the way they use him. And he basically said, you know, Jordan Addison is way better than people realize. And Kirk Cousins is the thing, the trust. And I think that's what we saw yesterday, Sam, was Kirk Cousins, um, he trusts all the receivers that were in the group with him. And, again, people can say, like, oh, they're not wearing pads. It's not that serious. It's not, but it doesn't matter. If I don't trust the guy, I don't care if we're not in pads. I'm not throwing you the ball. And so you can see Kirk Cousins is reading and then trusting all these guys out there. Yeah, I, I saw big throws to Naylor, Osborne, Addison, Hawkinson. Um, Jefferson might have been the only guy without a highlight reel catch. I mean, th- there were some really tight window throws zipped in there downfield. It was fun to watch. Your first day, you don't often see that kind of sharpness, but it was pretty clear that this offense is now into year two of the system, which is the big factor, Ron, is year two of the system going to yield different results. Kevin O'Connell said that there's a lot of room to improve from last year. I, I think that's the difference between being a good offense and a great offense. 
Yeah, I think I love Justin Jefferson's first comment. He was like, well, we're not learning the plays this year. We already know them. And so I think that's the key. I love that first thought. Like, look, I didn't have to learn anything. I already know this offense. Now I'm just fine-tuning it. And then we're going to add little pieces to the puzzle here and there. Uh, Honestly, we're not going to see a lot of the wrinkles with Jordan Addison and Jefferson Jefferson and K.J. Osborne at the same time uh, because of this is – I mean, you don't do anything early. But I'd say some of those joint practices, maybe by the first game, we'll really get to see what this offense is going to be about. And I honestly, I don't know if you noticed, Sam, CJ Ham and I talked to after practice, uh, just because, again, birthday and, you know, friend of mine, he looks felt. He lost some weight. He said he's down 12 pounds. Whoa. Uh, he, yeah, he's down 12 pounds. He looks taller. And they're using him more in some of these two tight end uh, I guess you want to call it three tight end sets, but he's the other back in there. Sure. Um, you know, and so his weight, he said he feels like he can run routes better now. Uh, he says he feels more in shape now. That's uh, I asked him about, wow. yeah. So I asked him about basketball too. And he said, man, I'm, I'm in the best shape I felt. And so when you look at him though, just watch the body. Like he looks lean. And so it's lean ETS. I mean, you know, he has his own ETS now, so maybe that's part of it. Uh, but he's putting a lot into his workout this offseason. You can tell when you look at him. So, you know, be be on watch for C.J. Ham with Josh Oliver, with T.J. Hawkinson. Then you got Justin Jefferson and K.J. Osborne. That's going to be a nice combo of five guys right there. It's really good info there, Ron. Maybe a little Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan hybrid offense going on this year. Um, I was going to ask you about P.J. Fleck. But you brought up Keenan McCardell, and it got me thinking, what makes this guy such a great wide receiver coach outside the fact that he played in the NFL and he was a great wide receiver for the Jaguars for all those years? You played the position in the league. You know all the nuances. I mean, it speaks volumes to be able to maximize day three picks like K.J. Osborne, now Jalen Naylor, and get the most out of guys like, obviously, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen when he was here. Talk to me about Keenan McCardell and what makes him so good as a coach. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I said, talking to him yesterday, I love talking to guys like that because the conversation is legit. And this is one thing I'll say about Keenan McCardell. He knows his stuff. Like, a lot of guys played the position, but they can't speak it. He can speak it. He can talk about, like, hey, look, I've been in the slot. I've been outside. I've been a part of organizations that were just building, you know, because he had John Gruden show up in Tampa. So he has a lot of knowledge. But there's another thing, man. Like, He's a player's coach. And when I say that, it doesn't mean negative. Like we had uh, Ryan Gundy on and he talked about that, you know, Mike Tomlin being a player's coach. Some people use it as a negative. Uh, We also had uh, uh, Don Terrius talk about Mike Tice being a player's coach. Here's the difference. When you talk about Keenan McCardo being a player's coach, that means the players like and listen to him. And so they're going to listen to what he's saying and they trust. You don't want to have your coach say, hey, I need you two yards inside the numbers or two yards outside the numbers, or here's why you're doing this. Here's why I'm going to put you outside. Here's why I'm putting you in the slot. Uh, here's why you're motioning. He can speak all of that football, talk to him versus, hey, here's the play, man. Just motion. You got a short motion. And, and the guy's like, man, why am I doing it? He can explain why they have a short motion. And I think that's what makes him so different. He played, what, 17 years? So he knows a ton of football. Mm. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to dig into Jalen Naylor specifically. I know Luke mentioned him. I know that Alec Lewis, friend of the show with The Athletic, uh, mentioned that Jalen Naylor looked pretty good yesterday. And, you know, he's kind of one of those candidates that – uh, might be in line for the kind of bump in uh, level of play that KJ Osborne had a couple years ago. Um, and I just kind of want to know your thoughts on, you know, kind of what Naylor can do right now, what he's improved, what his role in an offense would be if he does in fact turn out to be, you know, somebody that you can slot in as maybe the fourth receiver. 
Yeah, he's fast. So when you think about the speed of Jalen Naylor, I think that's what sets him apart from the other guys. Like, Justin Jefferson's just the greatest ever. And then you have K.J. Osborne, who's solid, you know, very meticulous, you know, right place, right time, makes the big catches when you need them to. You got Jordan Addison as a wild card because you don't know what you're going to get, but he has the speed. Like, uh, Keenan McCarthy said this one. He he ran like a 4-4 whatever, but he also plays at a 4-4. Some guys run 4-4 and they play at a 4-6 or 4-5 because they're thinking. He's plays fast and he understands speed. So Jalen Naylor takes the top off. Because when you think about Brandon Powell, Jalen Naylor, and Rager, I think those three are going to be battling for that guy that can take the top off. If you go back, and I'm a, I'm a big football guy. Remember the Super Bowl? I think his name is like Skronik or Skronrek or whatever. Yeah, uh, Skronik. Yep. for for the Rams. Remember, I forgot, I think Van Jefferson got hurt. He had to come in and run that deep ball post. He dropped the damn ball. So when you think about that, Kevin O'Connell has that in his in his offense. So who can do that and who's going to give you that? I think it's between Rager, Naylor, and Powell. And Powell probably has a leg up because he knows the Rams' offense. But Naylor, in my opinion, is right there because of his speed. And he finished the season off strong. So I think – I truly believe Jalen Naylor has a really strong chance to be wide receiver four. Mm. Uh, Ron, I, before you go, I do want to get your take on the, the gopher story from yesterday, but one more Vikes yep. question. Um, I did notice that Jawan Williams, the big corner from the Patriots was getting yep. all the first team reps yesterday. B- big out there, isn't he? He's like six, two, six, three with cleats, yeah. uh, over 200 pounds. Do you think he's a sleeper in this battle for the cornerback spot? Yeah, you know, anytime a veteran can come out there, I, I do. I will say this: Caleb Evans made some nice plays. Um, but yeah, anytime you get a veteran out there and 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 understands the defense, because again, this is a totally different defense now. So it's different terminology, different you know ways to get to a coverage if you want to call it that. Like some teams say, if we're in cover two, the only thing we can get to is four because we don't like to get the three from two. Some teams say, look, we can get to any coverage from any look. It's about what corner knows where he's supposed to be, when he's supposed to be there. Like if you're in two or two man and you don't chase on two man, you're out of there. And what you see with Juwan Williams right now uh, is his size, his length. And if we're going to play a lot of blitz and and get after the quarterback, um, you're going to need a guy that can jam and really make sure that receiver doesn't get a clean release. And so I think that's where he sets himself apart. But again, I I like uh, Caleb Evans. I think his length. And his, his arm length, for sure, like the ability to knock a ball down, um, it's going to be good. But I, I even said this. I watched Cam Bynum come from the safety spot and almost pick off a ball in the flat. You yeah. talk about range. Like, that's what I like about Brian Flores. He has a, his deep safety at the snap, hauling ass to the flat, and he almost picked it off. And that means the quarterback did not realize that guy is my robber. Like, he's the robber in this. And that's that just means you're doing a great job disguising it. Like, if your robber is coming from that deep and able to get there, that's – I'm not – I don't want to be preposterous, but that's Ed Reed, Troy Palmalu type of range where you can come from deep and be able to rob a flat. Before you go, we got to touch on P.J. Fleck here real quick. Uh, just your yeah. quick thoughts on the article itself, but also, too, when you just take a step back and look at P.J. Fleck's impact here in the six seasons yeah. he's coached, 620 winning percentage, 4-0 in bowl games, but comparison to the expectations you had and kind of the vision, right, for the future state of the Gophers program in your mind, where are we at now? How would you evaluate things? Are things better? Are they worse? Are they about what you expected? Because the hype was so real and the expectations were sky high for the future when he was first mm-hmm. brought in. <clears throat> well, I, this is what I say. When you even read the article, I don't know if you guys heard it, but I heard the Pink Panther in my headphones, like, doo-doo, <laughs> doo-doo. 
It sounded like a t- it was like a terrible detective. And I'm not talking about like the really good Pink Panther. I'm talking about uh, what's his name that barely speaks and, and is, is like a weirdo and luckily falls on something. And at the end, you realize he didn't actually do nothing. That's what that article felt like to me. Like Northwestern had their issues. And so it felt like everybody was on a witch hunt at this point. And so they're on a witch hunt. And you're talking about players getting let off for legal drugs. We're not talking about illegal drugs. We're talking about legal drugs. We're talking about stuff that they're not operating heavy machinery. We're not talking about DUIs. We're talking about marijuana. Now, that's one. Two, if you're mentally struggling, and that's why mental health is for real. You guys know how serious I'm about that. Tell somebody. In that article, it doesn't ever say I was struggling and the coaches knew it. It says I was struggling. I was having a tough day. And coach said, how are you doing? And I just said, man, I'm good. And he said, oh, you're not doing elite? That's not a negative. He's literally just doing what he does to everybody. In that moment, instead of just saying, like, really, I'm having a horrible day. I said, I'm good. And you're going to ask me if I'm not I'm not elite then say, hey, coach, um, I am doing elite. But at the same time, I'm not I'm not having a great day. Uh, I'm mentally not in this. Can I talk to somebody? Uh, I just talked to Les Pico, uh, player personnel for the Vikings. And he and I talked yesterday for a while. Um, And that was one thing we brought up, like players. And we weren't even talking about PJ. We were talking about his players. Players often deal with stuff that they want to keep to themselves and they keep it to themselves. They keep it to themselves. Either they lash out to others or they internalize everything that's happening to them. And I feel like a lot of the players in that article were dealing with stuff and then they internalize everything. Like, how come this guy didn't get in trouble? How come this guy didn't get in trouble? I'm having a tough day. And I think that's the problem with this. It, it to me, that was like a witch hunt. Second, Sam, or Luke, to your point, I think PJ's doing a great job. When we're talking about just building a team, you look at recruits, you, th- you got guys coming to bat saying, I wouldn't come back for a fifth year if the program was doing bad. You look at the headlines. You don't have guys getting in trouble, staying out late, DUIs, doing drugs. I'm talking about hard drugs. I'm talking about riding that white horse. You don't have that. Like, you you got kids that are going to class. You don't have a lot of kids, like, oh, ineligible. Man. What a way to go. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you don't <laughs> – you don't have a lot of kids ineligible. So, like, PJ's got these guys going to practice in the morning so that they're not missing classes in the morning. Like, my thing is he's building this program up, and people just want to find a way to tear it down because they want clicks. And you know what? The guy got clicks, and he'll be famous for five minutes, and then we'll go about the day and go play Northwestern and go to the state fair, enjoy the giant slide, have some hot dogs and some donuts, and we're going to watch some animals have babies at the, at the farm, and we're going to forget about all this. So enjoy your five minutes, but it's going to be done quick. Yeah, and even in the story, A.D. Mark Coyle coming to bat for P.J. Fleck, it doesn't sound right. like there's going to be anything actionable from this unless there's a lot no. more to the story. Um, and, and again, maybe some a couple eyebrow raisers maybe with overlooking some drug tests. Um, Correct. But it's a demanding culture too, and a lot of the stuff I think was just part of this culture that he's created right. that has a lot of expectations and – like right. even some of the current players say, it's not for everybody. And when your right. team is so big, so many young people, impressionable people who come through the doors, not everybody's going to like that. And you're going to get people that are disgruntled. And, and Sam, the NCAA, so this is what I will say, the NCAA deals with hard drugs. If it's illegal mm-hmm. or if it's you know criminal, DUI, all that, the NCAA handles that. But if it's a legal situation like missing class, smoking marijuana, because if you have HGH or steroids in your system and you take a negative test, you can't play. The NCAA is going to come down on that. But when they get that test and they're like, hey, man, uh, 
he tested positive for for uh, marijuana. Um, it's up to the university at that point because if you live in Colorado, like Deion Sanders, if his players test positive for marijuana, he's like, yeah, they probably got it standing outside because it's it's a contact high. Like it's legal. So California, it's legal. It's legal in Minnesota now. So that's the one thing I look at that the NCAA will handle the hard stuff. Little stuff like that. I mean, Kevin Durant just came out like that. He said, I was high and I shook Adam Silver's hand. We all smoke weed. It's better than Oxycontin. There's a thing. People would rather players take 10 Oxycontins or hydrocodones to deal with pain or pressure or headaches or whatever than to smoke a joint. That's the problem with some of the stereotypes or the expectations is like, oh, yeah, you could take 15 Oxycontins, but don't smoke weed. And that's where I have a problem with this. So for those players that are saying like, oh, like because he had community service and he went to class and he doesn't get in trouble, PJ, like, let him off. Now, the thing, if this kid misses curfew, if he misses practice, if he's not going to class, I guarantee he's not getting off for a positive marijuana test. So that's the difference in this. Like, this is human beings. We know this in the real world. Superstars can get away with stuff. If you are not a superstar, don't do it. I never get Brian Billick told us this. Ray Lewis and somebody else came into the meeting late, like five minutes late. Ray Lewis sat down. That guy sat down. Brian Billick said, hey, Ray, and uh, so-and-so, stand up. All the rookie, Turn the lights on. We all turn back. We look at Ray and the guy. He's like, Ray, how much money did you just sign for? You know, and Ray's like, really, really, Brian, really? He's like, Ray, how much did you just sign for? Ray was like, I mean, I got a guaranteed $19 million signing bonus. I mean, you know, I don't know how much he made that year, like $10 million for the season. He looked at the other guy. He said, how much are you getting this year? And, he, you know, he looks to like 350000 400000 He's like, see, that's the difference. Ray makes more than me, so I can't fire him. He said, I can kick you off the team right now and not think twice about it. Don't come late to my meeting again, and they had them both sit down. That's the thing. Like, mm. In that moment, Brian Billick told us, like, look, Ray's going to get away with stuff that y'all aren't going to get away with. So if Ray's having an omelet and the meeting starting, don't stay with Ray. Get to my meeting. Let Ray show up late because we're going <laughs> to deal with that, how we deal with it, which is he's the best linebacker ever. So I – Hey, if he's five minutes late, he's five minutes late. I can't handle that. And Ray wasn't always late, but that was just a one-time thing that Brian just had to set the tone for training camp. Hey, you're not him. So that's that's where I think this article is basically glorifying stuff now because social media can do it. Stuff like that has been going on for ages. Stars get a little bit of leniency. We know that. And if you're not a player, it, it, I, I guarantee nobody in this article that's complained and played. I hate to say it. I don't think any of those guys played. And it is what it is. Yeah, Ron, we'll hear from P.J. Fleck today, I think, at Big Ten Media Day, so we'll probably get some more context around all of that. We'll see you out at Vikings training camp the rest of the week and uh, throughout the month. So good stuff, Ron. Thanks, Ron. Looking forward to it. Yep. Yep. Enjoy the softball. I will. Good stuff from Ron Johnson. He's at 3RonJohnson on Twitter. He hosts the Ron Johnson Show here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Um, I got... I've got a notepad here. I mean, you'll see my chicken scratch. This is how I take notes, just in the margins of the roster. Numbers, nonsense, scribbles. Perfect. Um, But I did manage to get down a first and second team depth chart, which I was kind of patting myself on the back for because that can be overwhelming sometimes. But like, let me reiterate, Kirk Cousins was really good on day one. Day one, a lot of days to come. No pads. But... It was a sharp first practice. And if Naylor, and by the way, Jalen Naylor getting the first crack at wide receiver three, not Jordan Addison. Maybe that's a little bit 
of like punishment or you know the repercussions of your actions you're going to lose some favorable reps uh for what you did in lieu of like a suspension or a fine um Jalen Naylor, it, it, it though. It is worth noting that that Addison did miss a substantial amount of spring practices because he was being held out for injury. So Naylor is probably just mm-hmm. more up to speed, too. That's also an additional thing to note. Indeed. Indeed. And but you know what? That would have been the case anyway. Like that would have been the case anyway. Naylor would have been more up to speed just by virtue of that that full year that he had last year, where he was on the he was on the roster. Now imagine this offense if you really get a good like a, a KJ Osborne 2021 type season from Jalen Naylor, then you're you're in really good shape for the future. And sad to say, it's probably bye bye KJ Osborne at that point yeah. next year. But that could be a huge feather in the in this front office's cap if they can claim Jalen Naylor, Luke Inman, as sort of the the next Osborne, someone coming from the sixth round and coming out of nowhere to contribute on this offense. You're talking about a fifth and a sixth round pick turning into the type of players that we're seeing unfold before our very eyes. Uh, I think, without a doubt, if you look back all the way to the start of minicamp and OTAs to now, and I know it's only one day, but Jalen Naylor and Josh Metellus are just your two clear-cut winners thus far of the offseason and seem to be kind of carrying that momentum with them into the season, at least in the early going so far. Naylor already kind of supplanted. So far, again, it's early. I'm sure we'll get some some sprinkles of Jordan Addison in that wide receiver three, but for him to show up day one of training camp and be the wide receiver three, not Jordan Addison, and also to hear he was just such a target monster during OTAs and minicamp as well, um, that that is a great sign for things to come for sure. And it also from a front office lens too, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but you're right. It gives you something in your back pocket knowing if KJ does have a great season again, which obviously we hope he does, likely going to command a healthy amount of money next offseason that I would guess they likely wouldn't match something in that 13 to 15 million per year offer for KJ Osborne. So to have a guy like Jalen Naylor already developing and progressing now in year two as good as he has been, that's so huge. And then you know, Josh Metellus as well. I know you mentioned when I chatted with you yesterday, he continues to be in the mix too. We all want Lewis seen on the field. I'm in that uh, uh, you know boat as much as anybody, but Metellus, it sounds like, has just made things so difficult for coaches in a good way with just how far along he's continued to come year after year after year. His versatility in the back end of the defense has just been so good. So, yeah, I fully expect those two guys to just continue to kind of stand out in practice and cement themselves into this weekly game plan by the time we get to week one of the starting season. It, I find it interesting too, Arif, kind of how how these things often play out because we were talking about Metellus and Naylor day one of OTAs, right? Which leads you to believe that this was a, this was a premeditated off season decision. Okay, we're going to take this sixth round backup safety and we're going to turn him into something. Like, is it was that the Brian Flores plan that he sold them on? He came in the door and said. 44 Metellus. That's my guy. And he's doing it. He's looking great doing it. Jalen Naylor came in right away, catching everything day one. And he's kept that momentum all the way through. So sometimes it's like you have to earn the opportunity, even when it seems like on the surface, you're not doing anything. You're a backup. You're Metellus last year, Naylor last year. You're riding the bench. But going into the offseason, they clearly emphasize those two guys. We're going to play bigger roles this year. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll say this about Josh Metellus. I think that he has stood out in camp for a couple of years now, both under Zimmer uh, and under O'Connell. So I think that I wouldn't say this is like a long time coming. There's, you know, perennial camp standouts that just kind of never, you know, uh, actualize it in terms of, you know, a roster spot or consistent playtime. So I'm not going to say that, but I do think that it was pretty notable that Zimmer had him playing in man coverage in the slot a couple of years ago. I think it was interesting that we saw Josh Metellus on the second team with uh, Donatel uh, last year, which, I mean, Donatel didn't end up running a defense as interesting um, as you might need for Metellus to get on the field. Um, but, you know, it's something that he was able to do. I mean, he showed up in joint practices. I remember writing about this. This is somebody that, you know, I've been kind of interested in for a little bit based off of all of the various ways that he'd be used. And remember, when this was first happening, I was really surprised. This is not how he was used at Michigan at all. He was a box strong safety, right? And so the idea that he could also be a nickel corner was surprising to me. The idea that he could be a center fielder was surprising to me, but he showed that um, over the course of the past couple of years of camp. And so now he's paying down both on his capacity for like really high special teams play and, you know, his willingness to do kind of whatever any coaching staff has asked him over the past couple of, of years in training camp. So it's really nice to see this kind of actualized in the first team reps into a coach that's kind of willing to use him in a more diverse way. Uh, as for Jalen Naylor, I think that, you know, this is like a really awesome kind of development. It's something that's going to be pretty important for um, the Vikings going forward. The thing is you do have to be a little bit careful. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of players make waves in training camp, even have some reps with the first team without turning out into anything. Now we've been conditioned a little bit by the fact that KJ Osborne did it and turned into like a really great, solid contributor that's not always going to happen and so the vikings need to be really really confident if uh if they want to go with Jalen naylor going forward into 2024 allow kj osborne to walk in free agency because i i still remember when the vikings signed jarius wright to an extension they regretted it cut him he goes to the panthers and they immediately regret cutting him like it, it was it was yeah. so clear um that they knew that they had made a bad decision with the Jarius Wright thing. And I'm speaking from a little bit of background knowledge here. I don't want to like, you know, break any news about who said what, but it, the, the Vikings very clearly regretted not holding on to Jarius Wright after they had signed him to an extension and then cut him. I don't want them to be in a situation where they let KJ Osborne walk. Jalen Naylor is a really exciting piece, but he's maybe more of an Aldrick Robinson than he is a true, you know, third receiver, right? Aldrick Robinson, super useful to have on a roster. Kirk Cousins loved him, right? All he does, catch touchdowns. All he does is catch touchdowns, right? It's it's nice to have that, but you can't make that guy your third receiver, right? And so that's going to be kind of the important thing uh, in camp for Naylor is that he's got to be able to demonstrate that he can run all the routes that you ask your third receiver to run and, I mean, here's the thing that, that, you know, we talk about a lot, but then doesn't get discussed when we talk about, you know, this person leaving. KJ Osborne's a very good run blocker, right? And so you can just run different plays with him on the field or check into or out of different plays mm -hmm. when he's on the field. Um, and I, I don't think Naylor necessarily has that potential. Maybe he is a good run blocker. Who knows? But, like, I don't think he necessarily has that potential. And so if that's happening, you need to change the way – that you know your playbook is operating in 2024 so those are all the things you have to figure out now maybe during the season you get a little bit more information i'm excited about jalen naylor just want to throw that out there that that doesn't mean kj osborne is necessarily disposable that might still end up being a hard decision in march 
Um, word from FanDuel coming up, and then we're going to do injury report, more juicy camp nuggets, and I want to dig into the relationship between Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison, both of whom spoke yesterday. But tonight, it's Shohei Otani night. He is pitching for the Angels, the best player in baseball. Looks like he's going to stay an Angel the way that they're uh, <sighs> acting here before the deadline. I know, I know. Arif had big opinions on, on MLB there. Uh, but you... <laughs> You can two things I care about in MLB, and one of them is to get Otani out of there. (laughs) You can bet on Otani. He's minus 146 tonight, Angels against the Tigers. Uh, You can bet all of baseball at FanDuel. And if you're a new customer, you can get up to 10 times your initial bet in bonus bets back. So if you put 20 on Otani and he wins or loses, doesn't matter, you get 200 in your pocket in bonus bets. It's a great promotion. They have great promotions all the time at FanDuel. It's a safe, secure, easy-to-use interface. Use the Sportsbook app or go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get started. Get those bonus bets. When you win, you get paid instantly. Check out those great promotions as well. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball and America's number one sportsbook. All right, let's roll through just a couple training camp injury updates. Jordan Addison said he's 100%, and he looked like he was moving well in the field yesterday. In other wide receiver news, Luke Inman, you're going to love this. Not this one. This one's not the one you'll love. The next one's the one you'll love. Blake Prohl is back. It's been like two years since he was at a training camp. You mean on the mic or on the field? Blake Prohl was out there holding a microphone simultaneously while running routes. It was incredible. It was astonishing. Wow. All the, they actually had a Blake Prohl. uh, It was a live mic. So he was providing the the music for the practice as well. He was singing and it was unbelievable. I believe it. Yeah. Um, This is the one that Luke Inman's going to flip out for. So we thought we lost Malik. We thought we lost Malik Knowles. He was waived, non-football injury, um, PCL from, be an IR? from the pre, pre-draft process. He has cleared waivers. Woo! Yeah. He's back. Yeah. He's back. Now he's out for the year. That's the downer. <laughs> Luke's clapping like, ah, he's out for the year. But Red shirt him. He'll be fine. Now, Arif, do you, do you recognize what the other consequence is of Knowles being out for the year? Um, so, okay, I don't know if I had Knowles on my preseason fantasy team. Okay, that's the concept. Oh, that's gonna be and I was so bummed gonna about that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is gonna I, be I don't big. think I had him as like my Mr. Mankato. Like every episode, I just have a different opinion on these undrafteds. Yeah, and so like, totally. I, like from one episode to the next, I'm just like, wait, am I high on Malik Knowles? I don't know yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think he was your of, last pick in our in our preseason fantasy football draft a month ago or whatnot. So let's I, let's I, pretend it was, so I can say okay, that was just a, a yeah. dart throw. You know. Um, speaking of undrafteds, so this is good for Braun, bad for Inman. Uh, Andre Carter is on the pup. He's in shorts and a t-shirt walking around. That was your defensive pick mm-hmm. for the fantasy team. Because I got there. sniped by Ivan Pace, who's working with the, who is the working with team. the twos. That's Luke Braun's guy yeah. on fantasy team working with the twos at camp, which was, I think, an elevation from mini camp OTAs. I don't think he was with the twos at all. So I'm pretty confident based off of the reports that it was Die and Reader with the twos. Mm. So yeah, this so this was it be an Pace elevation of and Die or Pace and Reader with the twos? Sound like it was Pace, Pace and Die. And die. 
Okay, yeah. so Reader got bumped a little bit. Again, one day, but man, that's a great yeah. sign for things to come. Just that he's picking up this Brian Flores defense at a good pace. No yeah, and, and there seems to be like a role for him, right? Because right. Right. I, I've seen a lot of undersized blitzing off-ball linebackers not hack it in the NFL. Yes. It's like, I'm not going to say it's a common prototype, but it's not a rare one. Nope, you're right. Uh, other nuggets, Chris Reed, uh, seen rehabbing foot. He should be back in a few weeks. And Brian O'Neill, not on the pup, but on the rehab field. Uh, he's running around. So they they do have a time, like a slow ramp up for him. So I don't think we're going to see him doing a lot. Soon. Nor should he, right? Yeah. Like pump the brakes. Yeah. Like week one was always like dream scenario, it felt like. So uh, the fact that he's on that pace and schedule is great. No need to rush him back. Oli Udo, Vidarian Lowe, what's the right what? tackle well, situation? So I was like? I was going to ask actually about this related to you know because Oli Udo was was taking the first team reps at right tackle from what I understand, uh, and that Blake Brandell was playing guard or cross training a guard, which is one reason that he might not have taken those snaps. So he could be the true right tackle replacement, but is not doing that in camp because of guard duties. Yeah, that was always yeah. a big question for me. What's going on with Blake? Obviously, they know what they have with him at left tackle in that four-game stint when Christian Derrissaw went down. I would have assumed that he would have at least been in the mix for that right tackle job with O'Neal not getting those reps. It seems like they really want to get a good hard look at him at guard, and that's where he's been, correct me if I'm wrong, Sam, all minicamp and all OTAs is that backup left guard spot. Yeah, that's pretty much the only place I've seen him is guard. Okay. Left yeah. guard yesterday. I think it's mostly been on the left side, but he's well, becoming I mean, Chris a, Reed is out, right? So that's um out. and Chris Reed out. Yeah. So Brandel's becoming a four position guy. Um, that's crazy. Is, he's pretty important. A very yeah. good backup tackle. Uh Schlotman was the backup center. Sam Schluter worked his way in as a second team tackle. Not Vidarian Lowe? Oh, wait, no, Vidarian Lowe's on uh, the other right. side. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 No, Schluter was your second team left tackle. And so, it, so if everyone is healthy, who is the second team? Who are the second team tackles? Is it Lowe and Brandel or? It's got to be Brandel, I would assume. I think it's just so. Well, like who, who opposite him? Is it is it Ole Udo? Is it Lowe? It's probably not Schluter. It's probably Udo. I would, are you yeah. saying if, if O'Neal is healthy? Yeah, if O'Neal is healthy, then and, yeah. Yeah. Well, and and again, if if Brandel isn't needed as a guard, would he be right. their choice at tackle? Yeah, so like Chris Reed and O'Neill are both healthy in this in this scenario. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Vidarian Lowe is probably based on upside, probably in that mix to be a second. That's team. what I was thinking too. Okay, yeah, because I because I wonder that despite this good news for Oliudo, and it is good news for him, I wonder if he's still on the outs potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes I wonder to that too. Uh, Sam, any sighting from uh, Alan Ali at all? The uh, UDFA guard working with the threes, I'm assuming. I'll be honest. You didn't catch my eye. Uh, And again, this is the there's about a three day period where I'm looking at the roster constantly. Oh, I bet. who's, Who's that? Okay, Ali. Yeah, 66 didn't pop out to me too much at all. And again, that means he's with the threes and. That's kind of where I, I tune out. I will say with the threes, Jaron Hall did not do anything noteworthy good. He did airmail Thayer Thomas on one post. I mean, of course, he knows the Thayer Thomas play. Pretty um, bad. 
I I saw someone mention that he had like one one highlight play down the sideline, but mm. other than Thayer that, or Thayer or Jaron, Jaron. Oh. Um, but other than that, you know, because it was very shortly followed up by you know what you mentioned the airmail to to Thayer Thomas, at least according to you know what I was looking at. So, yes, yeah, sources. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's not shocking, right? Jaron Hall is a fifth round rookie. Um, it would take quite a lot for him to even catapult himself into quarterback too. Yeah. And I'm feeling more and more that way uh, as time goes by. Nick Mullen's still very clearly the number two. Um, let, let's get into this a little bit. Jordan Addison yesterday gave his apology publicly to the media for the the driving. Didn't get into details about it. Ongoing legal situation. Ongoing legal matter. He can't get into the dog emergency. Uh, <laughs> Justin Jefferson spoke later in the day and Talked about mentorship, how he wants to be to Addison what Thielen was to him. The Thielen-Jefferson dynamic was, I, I don't know, it was just perfect. It just worked. Um, I think the age gap was big. There's like nine, like nine years apart in age. Um, it was just, there was just a very, they were very clearly in the right roles. And Jefferson was kind of a sponge. He was open to it. Um, and Thielen was very... I think generous with his time and the Vikings like put kind of orchestrated this. They just put yeah. them together and there was a clear passing of the torch in some way um, at different vibe, I think with Addison and maybe it'll work out great too. Maybe Jefferson is just the ultimate mentor. He hasn't really been in this role too much yet. Um, but again, we got a first round pick and a first round pick. Closer in age, Addison surely has very high aspirations and maybe feels like he can never usurp Jefferson. He's always going to be a number two. Um, how do you think that dynamic's going to work out, Luke Inman? I don't see why we shouldn't have anything less than high expectations for these two. I mean, I guess if the question is a matter of Addison not having a 30-year-old veteran in the room to help guide and teach him you know, the little nuances, I get that. I want to say Thielen was in year seven when JJ showed up. And now obviously JJ being the veteran and mentor of the group is only entering year four, but you look around the league and there's examples of young, great, successful duos at the position. I think about the Bengals, Jamar Chase. and that, That's exactly what my brain went to the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, Philly's an easy one too. AJ Brown, Devonte Smith. I, I think talent's talent at the end of the day. And Addison has all the raw talent to be not only the NFL, but Knowing firsthand one-on-ones than most guys in the league. And even outside of playing with JJ, right, across from him, you also got Hawkinson, a top five tight end in the league. And most importantly, too, you got a veteran quarterback who knows now in year two of a quarterback-friendly system and, you know, an offensive head coach that we've already seen can scheme guys open when needed. I think as good as Thielen and JJ was, right, Given this offense and his supporting cast now, I see no reason why Addison couldn't become the next great complementary piece inside KOC's passing game. Yeah, no, I, I think that that's uh, an important kind of dynamic to to talk about and discuss. But I do think that um, you're right that, you know, it, it's not that important that Addison might never be able to kind of um, overtake that wide receiver one spot and you never know, right? Randy Moss overtook Chris Carter. I mean, you know, like it's, it's a thing that happens sometimes. Right. But it's also not, you know, 
awful, right? When Tyreek Hill was traded to Miami, Jalen Waddle, I believe, had already had one year under his belt, right? Waddle, I think, had mm-hmm. an understanding that he'd be wide receiver one until that trade had occurred, and now he's just wide receiver two. I it sounds like based off of what you know we know about that situation. He's perfectly fine with it, right? When the Bengals drafted Jamar Chase to play next to T. Higgins, everyone was fine, right? T. Higgins wasn't as dominant, right, as mm-hmm. as as Jefferson was. But I think people forget he had a remarkably good rookie year. You know, yeah. very good rookie year, right? And then Chase shows up, right? Um, you know, when, you know, it's Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown. They trade for A.J. Brown. Devonta Smith now has to play kind of second fiddle, but kind of not really. We don't know. Um and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, you know, there's a larger age difference there. Mm-hmm. That's more, you know, the the Thielen um, Jefferson dynamic. But you know, Metcalf had the capacity to overtake Lockett. I, in my opinion, that hasn't happened. I still think Lockett is a more productive and capable receiver. But it is something that you know happens, and it sounds like the two of them are are very, you know, you know, they're, they're great teammates, right? And so um, that it doesn't bother me. You could always say like, hey, maybe Addison is a guy that that needs a little bit more guidance or is a guy that kind of craves the spotlight a little bit more. I think those are things that are based off of very small slices of information that we have about him. We can't know that um, based off of, you know, how we acted at the draft or this one incident. Um, You're just not going to know enough about a player based off of news stories like that. So we can't say that that's the case, but we can say it is possible that he's just a different personality type than all of these other receivers, right? Like Mike Wallace did not love, you know, that Antonio Brown got a ton of attention, right? Like he didn't. That's just who Mike Wallace was, right? So it's always possible. But I think more likely than not, you know, it, it's it's going to work out. I think that if Addison is talented enough to be a really, really high-level receiver, right? In most systems, he'd be a wide receiver one. Maybe that level of talent is what we're talking about. If he is, I think it'll work out just fine. You brought up the Seattle wide receiver room. I just want to remind everybody. guy, too. DK Metcalf is only 25 years old. Feels like he's going on year seven or eight, but 25 years old. So let's just say Lockett got traded or maybe he's not around next year. That's kind of the same scenario now with Jackson Smith and Jigba in town, the Ohio State first round receiver in the same uh, scenario. Um, The two press conferences yesterday, three hours apart, could not have been more different. Addison at about 115. He's, I'm sure he was nervous. He's first big press conference of training camp and he's got a million cameras in his face and he's got to apologize for this mistake that he made and take questions about it and try to follow the script that he was coached on by PR and not say anything incriminating. And of course it's going to be like, obviously not a good look. Like it's not going to come across great especially when you're not super media trained i do wonder about the ongoing legal situation phrase like is something going on beyond the citation like that's just a ridiculous thing to say to my in my brain i yeah i would i would agree (laughs) i think it's it's the easy out it it prevents further questions on it um we kind of we kind of know how this game works yeah but then three hours later justin jefferson just has the midas touch right now there's nothing that he can say and he I think he's just very naturally gifted yes. in in this regard. Like extremely charismatic. He says all the right things about his contract. He seems very selfless when he says it. The way he talks about Kirk, the way he can like very charmingly downplay, oh yeah, he wasn't in my top five, but Kirk's my guy. Like 
stuff like that. He said, and you the, believe it. That's the thing about yeah, Jefferson. it's like, very authentic. It. Yeah. And he said the to both of these things he said in that press conference. I love being the face of the league. I love the pressure on me, and I think he believes that too. He's just like he's fitting. Uh, I, I should say, fame and success looks good on Justin Jefferson right now. Um, which which and, contrasts, by the way, mm-hmm. with how you felt Diggs's personality changed after mm-hmm. he got that second contract, yes. which technically yeah. Jefferson has not received a second contract yet. So we can't mm-hmm. say one for one, this is alike. But I mean, as, as, as charismatic as Diggs is, and he's remarkably charismatic, Jefferson has all kinds of endorsement money right now that Diggs maybe should have gotten in Minnesota when he was in Minnesota, but like clearly... He's just not out there with like as many brand deals or endorsements, at least to my eye, that I can see as Jefferson. Diggs so had he good might century link commercial. Yeah. Remember that one? Which that was a that was a weird one. I'm gonna just put that out there. Um <laughs> it wasn't like weird bad. It was just like, is this how you're gonna use this guy? All right. Uh, but uh, right. just like a tiny guy next to a remote. Okay, I guess. Right. Um, but uh, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be the case that Jefferson um, has earned enough money for us to say that money has not quite changed him or if it's changed him has not changed him for the worse. Right. So um, these are all possibilities. I remember, you know, a lot of people like, ah, but when Jefferson gets paid, he's going to do the exact same stuff Diggs did. And it's like, yep. I don't know. People are different than other people. I think it's fair to mm-hmm. say that one person is not like another person, even though they're in the same situation. So I, I I'm excited by this. I don't believe Jefferson when he says, you know, he's not fond of money, but I do believe that money is not a huge pressure point for him. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that, and, but you mentioned sponsorship deals. I don't know if this made it on the final cut of the Vikings, like posting the press conference, but someone asked him about his sunglasses and he said, and I, I think they just asked him if like are those new sunglasses and he said, Oh, these are Oakley's I'm sponsored by Oakley and they want me to wear them as often as I can. Uh, and it, everyone, what loves, a natural. everyone, everyone loves him. What it's, a natural. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> How much did Fortnite pay him, by the way? I got to know. Oh, my gosh. There's numbers out there. (laughs) I wish. (laughs) That's that's hilarious. Uh, More training camp today. I want to say this is a Wes Phillips or a Matt Daniels day at the podium and probably some other key players as well. We'll find out. Um, But more notes on that on tomorrow's roundtable with Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson, and Luke Inman. Uh, Luke Braun. It's going to be in town next week. He's going to be at the practices. So we're going to get a lot of... Do do I smell another combine coming up? A (laughs) four-man combine? Watch out. Stay tuned. My Sam, if it's Wes Phillips, you got to ask a CJ Ham question. I was just going to tell Sam that. Yeah, you You got to ask about the three tight ends, CJ Ham kind of stuff. Losing 12 pounds looks taller? Right. (laughs) Now now that Ron says that, I do remember seeing 30 and not immediately remembering that was CJ Ham and having to check and cuz he didn't look like the full look like a fullback the no ball tree trunks for he legs didn't, he, 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 looked, he looks more like Yuschick than Tolbert is what you're telling me yeah, okay there you go yeah. yeah yeah fair enough yeah maybe maybe Yuschick is the comp here yeah. That'll be well, awesome. it's, it's always the comp for a tight end who can catch. I think we always get over right. our skis on that one. Is but hey. like the most popular 49er? Like if you were if I was on 49ers Twitter, 
is that the only thing people get excited about? Because I, 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 I would think, love I think that. It's, I think it's the guy that that like film nerds like me get excited about, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I there's no way he's the most popular for like Debo Samuel, right? Uh, if if you don't mind Nick Bosa's off the field opinions or whatever, he's up there, right? Uh, Fred Warner, people love him. I there's no way that Yushik is the most. I think George Kittle's more popular than Yushik. Do you yeah, remember Kittle's our for sure? You remember our failed use check first Super Bowl touchdown yes, bet? We were very close. We, we were yeah. very so close. close. First <laughs> Niners touchdown, but first not the first overall touchdown. Yeah. God. We oh my gosh. <laughs> we'd, we'd probably be retired today. We probably would have that's invested, prob- yeah, that, that's true. invested yeah. that money in Bitcoin and then pulled it out at the perfect time. We'd be retired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what we would have done in that situation. You're right. You're right. That's how most people would have reacted. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, Round table tomorrow, Minnesota football party officially back Monday, all training camp, all the time. Endless Vikings talk uh, with Luke Inman, Arif Hassan, and Luke Braun joining us next week from the Twin Cities. Thanks so much for watching today. I'm Sam Ekstrom. Follow us all on Twitter. Subscribe, please. Comment and find Locked on Sports Minnesota wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.